Here we go. It's the first quarter of the big game. You want to toss up a Hail Mary. They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. If you're good at something, never do it for free. I'd like to be pimps from Oakland or cowboys from Arizona, but it's not Halloween. Look, my friend, this is just where you and I differ. Grow up, Peter Pan. No chocula. If my answers frighten you, Vincent, then you should cease asking scary questions. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the... Well, we'll fix Sex and Jacks. I'm Tim Howe. <laughs> Andrew on the board, s Futures. Where are we up? Uh, let, me, let me find I'm reading, I'm reading something really... F- well, <clears throat> I don't know if it's funny if it's you, but... Uh, it's uh, it's funny if it's not. Uh, S&P futures down 22, Nasdaq futures down 56. So we're leaking. We we're up a little last night. The uh, we have Mr. Lou. Good morning, sir. Um, how are you? <coughs> on this on this blustery blustery waiting day. For, uh, waiting for a snow uh, snowstorm to hit us here today. Um, have you guys had much? Uh, we got some uh, earlier this week. A little pocket of uh, of snow hit uh, hit Denver and the. Uh, Western foothills. Uh, this is supposed to be a little bit bigger. It's coming. Uh, it's coming in probably three to six inches. But uh, you know, nobody, nobody knows the the snow bands that come through here are are really idiosyncratic. I mean, depending on you know whether whether the wind's blowing from a particular direction, you're going to get you know two inches or a tenth of an inch or you're going to get five inches and that's pretty much what happened uh, earlier this week and I think that's that's what's supposed to happen today. There is so if you drive south from Denver to, to Colorado Springs the the foothills here you know are, are really not very very hilly I mean it, it, it rolls the, the landscape rolls a little bit but it's not it's not that you know, certainly not mountainous. Uh, Denver, Denver sits actually sits in a, in a kind of a, a bowl plateau, but there is a rise between here and Colorado Springs called the Palmer Divide. Really? Uh, and it's a it's a like a hill, but it's a long, you know, a long extended kind of flattened out hill that that sits between Denver and Colorado Springs and that thing apparently has a, a tremendous impact on weather uh, in, in the Denver area so so if wa- if wind is coming from or the, the weather system is coming from a particular direction you actually get a, a pocket behind the behind this hill of heavy snow or no snow and and every every other place around, you know, will get a, a, a relatively consistent snowfall or precipitation uh, range. But in this in this pocket behind the behind the hill, um, you know, maybe maybe four or five, maybe ten miles deep, it, it the, the weather is completely different, and the the snowfall or rain is completely different than it is. You know, around the rest around the rest of the area, it's just it's just weird. You know, I can't think of another area where such a, a gradual change in elevation, and, and really, it's a change of maybe not even a thousand feet, um, 
but a gradual change in elevation like that will well, did you, uh, make uh, such a huge difference. When you were hacking through the TV last night, if you were, did you happen to come across the uh, college football game with Central Michigan against somebody? The uh, weather. No, I, weather I, I, I don't. If I watch, I, I don't. I don't have broadcast TV. I'm a streamer, oh, so yeah. if, it's, if it's not highlights, I don't see it. Well, the uh, this is just across the lake here, and we've had since the lake is warm, and we've had all this cold weather, and all of a sudden, the the, the thing it looked like you were at a, at a blizzard in Denver. They must have had six inches of snow in the crowd, and it was just snowing so much you couldn't even. They could damn near not film the game. You know that that's something that's something I was trying to explain to somebody out here. The idea of lake effect snow, and and they were I, I just said you, you sort of can't imagine how heavy the snowfall can be. You know, in a place like South Bend or or you know right along the lakeshore in Chicago, if the wind is coming from the right direction, you can have heavy snow. You know, fifteen miles inland. And it can snow for you know thirty six or forty eight hours continuously, and and you know twenty miles, twenty five miles in, it's it's relatively dry, and, and they were I was trying to explain that to them. And I, I just said just imagine you know a mountain you know being in the lee of a of a of a mountain or a windward side of a mountain here because when when these snowstorms move over the Rockies. A lot of times, you can almost draw a straight north-south line down the down the front range here in, in Denver, and the moisture all backs up there. Denver yeah. is Denver is perfectly dry, and mm-hmm. you go twenty miles in. Uh, well, west, that's why all your all your ski resorts are all your ski resorts are just west of the divide. That's right. Well, the Continental Divide is is about seven. 70 miles west of us, uh, 80 miles west of us. Yeah, it's um, right at the Eisenhower but, Tunnel. But, yeah, but east, even east of that, I mean, I mean, you don't need to go very far from Denver to hit a, a, a snow belt that that is stops right at the at the top of the Front Range here, and the the Front Range peaks are maybe 8,000, 9,000 feet. So, wow. you know, well, noticeable, the, uh, but. What, what is the, the weather phenomenon in the Midwest? I mean, we've talked about every Monday with the the Mississippi has been down so low with the barge traffic that even in the channels they've had a they've had to uh, lighten the barges by 35, 40 percent, which essentially picks them up probably three, four feet. Uh, if you've never seen barge stuff, I actually did a uh, a barge tour on the Illinois River through the line. It was really fascinating. And I didn't know much about barge, but a, a barge essentially, if, it, if it's dry. It sits what, twelve, fifteen feet out of the water, and as and as you load it up, it it it's about fifteen feet under the water, and uh, so then all you see is like the top of it, which is what you see going down the river all loaded. Well, river has been so low that a lot of the the shorelines, the docks have been boats are just sitting on the on the ground, and they found some Civil War historical relics and all kinds of stuff. Well, I don't know if it's this hurricane that hit Florida that ended up hitting the Eastern Ohio Valley, or what, a little bit? They're they're anticipating that Mississippi River is going to rise nine feet in the next ten days, seven. Days. Oh my gosh! Yeah, but I'm, it can't be all the way from the top. It must be. I don't think anybody got any rain north, so it must be all the Ohio River feeding it or someplace. But uh, plus, well, they let some water out of the the dams in the Tennessee River too to help out. So somewhere between the rains and the 
letting water out of the reservoirs. The thing's going to be up nine feet by November 21st, which isn't that far away, like four days. So I don't know if I, I, don't know if I talked about this, but um, I was on a river cruise in Europe uh, in September uh, and on the Elbe. And which which is a river that runs between Czechoslovakia and up through Germany and dumps out dumps out into the uh, Baltic at uh, Hamburg. That's the one that goes through Frankfurt, right? Uh, no, that's the Rhine. Okay. Uh, or the Mine. Sorry, the Mine River. Uh, anyway, in any event, it's connected to the to the Rhine by canal. Anyway, the so all the rivers in Europe were real low this this summer. Lot lack of rain, and this boat that we were on. Uh, you know, specially designed. Uh, they were, they, I, I talked to the captain um, one afternoon, I was up on the deck, and he, he said, yeah, we can run in a meter 40 centimeters of water. And, and that's our normal, sort of our normal stop point. But I can take the boat down on my own recognizance uh, to as low as a meter 30 and if I get permission from the company, we can uh, run at like a meter ten. It's like five or feet. A meter fifteen. It's like five feet. How do they do that? It's not five feet. A meter is is thirty nine inches. Well, that's three and, feet. And and another another twenty centimeters. Oh, okay. Is 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 like another ten inches. So it's four. It's four so, feet. So maybe fifty inches of water. And 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 you're talking about a boat holding one hundred and 50, 160 people. So the draft is uh, only fi- is only five feet. The draft is less than five feet. That's unbelievable. And he did he did say he did say it's it'll be interesting because on some of the you know as we move down the river, obviously there are you know bars and and, and banks that, that shift with with the flow of the current. He said we actually one of our boats run aground in the Rhine for it got stuck there for about twenty four hours because of a shifting sandbar. He said, "Well, we will hear stones kicking up and river, you know, bottom stuff kicking up against the, the hull of the boat as we as we go down the go down the river when we cross over these real low spots." But uh, the idea, and, and of course, the Elbe, like all the other rivers, you know, is is heavily monitored and to a certain extent controlled. But um, the idea that you can run a, a boat like a, a fully equipped, and you know, this thing's this thing's. I don't know, two hundred feet long. Yeah, you know, in a, in a run a riverboat. It must be in, in, a super know, in like flat bottom. water is just crazy. It must be. It must have super flat bottom. It has to almost like a barge. Well, it does, and and I think I don't know whether it uses. You know, exp- I'm sure it doesn't use exposed propellers. I'm sure it just has it has thrusters on uh, you know shielded propellers with a, with a, a turnable. Yeah, they're not they're not hanging below the below the uh, nozzle. But but I mean just the idea that they were and, and that they were cutting it, you know, it, it's like five centimeters of water, which which is what two, two and a half inches. Not good for the fish. Inches. Not good for the fish. They got nowhere to go. Well, I mean, I mean, uh, the other the other interesting thing is is the elm. Um, now, did they fill back up? Are they? Or did they get some rain? I think they they must they have. I've heard about it. Oh yeah, they did. I mean, if you follow, and I, I don't. I don't follow this religiously, but if you read the, the the Facebook and social media reports on river cruising, which is a huge deal in Europe, if you read the the reports on it, 
you you all the stuff about about them using buses and and having to stop the boats and all that that's all disappeared that was big news in in july and august because they run a lot of stuff down the rhine and the rhine was so low that that these boats these boats couldn't uh couldn't well in frankfurt the the, the river there is a super working river. I saw his barges going back and forth. It was like the Mississippi for guys. Like, hey, yeah, uh, you remember? I I assume because you're old enough. Let's ask Andrew. Andrew, do you remember who Local Twelve was? I can't say I do. Uh, Racking Bullwinkle was the villains, thieves, and scoundrels union. Okay, I, you know, I've only seen the the live action. Rocky and Bullwinkle movie from the early 2000s. Oh, my God. Oh God. That was Robert De Niro, and that was a disaster. Oh, God. <laughs> the, 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 the best was when uh, uh, Angelica was producing the show, and somebody called her and said, would you please say we're a moose and squirrel, because she had this great, this incredible Ukrainian accent. But anyway, the reason why that, I bring that up is there, there's a little bit of a, of a verbal sparring match between this guy, this Binance CEO. And this is a guy who... Uh, went in and, and looked at this FTX, the place that went under, and said that uh, uh, they were going to buy it, but then he said the place was a, basically a, a bleep hole and he wasn't going to buy it and threatened to sell the FTT that he had. And then, But he didn't sell it, to his credit. It lost 80% of its value. So Norio Rubini, who you, who's an economist, you probably see him on CNBC once in a while, he's given this interview somewhere. He described this guy, Changpeng Zhao, this Chinese guy that runs this place. I think he's Chinese. As one of the seven C's of crypto, an unflattering list which also included concealed, corrupt, crooks, criminals, conmen, and carnival barkers. <laughs> Sounds like a bunch of attorneys, for God's sake, Lou. I'm just just saying, you know. Well, I think that's an insult to carnival barkers. <laughs> um, the, I, I have not followed a lot on that because I think anybody that's that's foolish enough to invest in a, in a currency that isn't backed by anything other than other currency uh, is, is get you, you get what you deserve. But I am, as, as an attorney, I was interested in some of the governance issues. Apparently, that, that none of their they, and they had huge investors. None of these people sat on the board. There was no there was no seat at the table for uh, a huge you know any of the major investors, which I think is unheard of. And and so with no with no uh, board membership, there was no uh, there was no oversight, and I just I'm I'm frankly astounded. But I guess this guy is this guy is he is he uh, is the owner in custody? Because no, I don't, I'm not sure they can find him. I, why don't you check that out? We Andrew, uh, they can find uh, uh, FTX uh, leader. If he's I don't know I don't know if they know where he is. Well, he's I mean I mean the board the board has he's been he's been fired. So I saw something on Twitter that said he's no longer speaking for FTX. The guy with the haircut. Yeah, he, um, he, the guy fired himself. Yeah. Okay. So, so which is always a nice touch. Yeah. Uh, you know, your your own your own leadership team isn't dumb enough to get rid of you, so you have to do it yourself. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know a lot about it other than the fact that they took in they took in a billions and and it's missing. Well, sure it is. And so, so where did it go? <laughs> well, so they 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 spent not billions. They spent a lot on sponsorships. They spent a lot on paying people like Tom Brady to do commercials. They did the uh, Miami Heat Stadium. They did Cal Bears Stadium. Uh, they they had the thing and I think the deal with Major League Baseball. Andrew, I don't want to screw this up. 
why don't you look FTX deal with Major League Baseball? I think it was 192 billion million dollars over five years. I don't want to. I don't want to miss. And uh, what, what well, they, that'll, that'll burn through. That'll burn through a billion dollars. Well, they had one one young guy. I mean, these young guys are. They're incredulous that people will say anything bad about Bitcoin. It's still, I've one guy was on like an hour the other day where I left him on uh, talking about how it's still, it is the solution for the world. It, it is the hope for people in these other economies of the Bitcoin is the values, the value they're going to be 50 years from now. That's all you're going to hear about. It's all going to be Bitcoin. I'm like, it's not worth anything. I mean, it, it, it I, well, I'm not going to go through it again, but I think the idea of an alternative currency is actually not a bad one. This thing's not a currency. But the weird part is, they had some young guy on yesterday, and as you, well, I don't know this, that much about it, but there's Bitcoin is, is the one we always talk about on the show, but all these other ones essentially are, are tokens that are issued by these places. So this FTX issued this FTT token, but they had no, so it's, but it's like a stock offering, although it's not, they just offer them out there, and if they say, okay, there's going to be 100,000 tokens, that's one thing. But what they were doing was borrowing money out of customer accounts and, like, covering it with extra FTTs. Right, right. It, 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 it was sort of like a, 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 a pyramid scheme, but on steroids. Well, you like it was like printing more stock and selling it, and not telling people you right. printed more stock. Um, although, you know, it, although the stock at least has something to do with a company. Well, this guy comes on and says, Bitcoin is, is the real deal. It was done by, you know, the... The kung fu guy that came off the mountain with the beard and put this thing together, and nobody even knows who he is or what his name is. But it's such a genius thing. And he left humanity. It's like you know, like you know, somebody from outer space came back here and. Uh, so, so this is basically, his, this is basically a religion, is what he's was what without he said. a doubt. But he also said all the other ones. He goes, I don't know all the other ones. These tokens. He goes, I don't know how they're out there. Those are, are, are essentially stack. Uh, what do you, you know, they are securities, and they've been put into the market without any sort of a, I won't say regulation, because they don't, they don't do much anyway, but there, there's no sort of a registration process or nothing. They just issue these things and say they're worth something. He goes, it's like a stack issue without a company. So his, he, yeah. he essentially threw all the rest of them under the bus, except Bitcoin, which leads you to believe he, he owns Bitcoin and not the other ones, but you know, I, would, I would never accuse anybody of that, but... But it, so he's convinced that all the other ones, Dogecoin and all the other these things, I don't, you know, there's one that's supposedly tied to the dollar. But but the these places are going down like by the day. And I was mentioning yesterday, Lou. I, whenever you whenever you get this weird feeling, like back in the the crisis with the Orange County and Harris County, how I actually was privy at the time to a lot of information on what these guys were making because I was doing some work for uh, Nancy Sheehan who was running for treasurer. And everybody in the country, if you're, a, if you're a state treasurer, virtually every state says the only thing you can invest in is U.S. government securities. So if I'm going to kick your behind because I'm the Iowa treasurer and you're the Illinois, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick your behind by like one-tenth one of a percent because I was smart enough or lucky enough to get the five-year one year and you grab the two-year. Next year you'll beat me by one-tenth of a percent. Meanwhile, Orange County and Harris County, Texas, are making like 10 or 12. So the minute you see that, you go, what are these guys doing? They obviously are not following the rules. They're doing something different. you know. So whenever you see this kind of wealth just sort of get made in a minute, you go, wait a minute. Now, this guy actually started out, the guy at FTX, he actually started out, I'm going to say legitimately, because 
the uh, Bitcoin was trading without a central exchange. So it's trading basically all over the world. <clears throat> and what he did, which was genius, you know, all these people start out with something that's unique and clever and genius, then they manage to become gods in their own mind or something. But <clears throat> what he did was say, they called it the uh, the kimchi trade. You know what kimchi is, I assume, Lou? I do. Well, he noticed that as Bitcoin started to trade, virtually it was always bid higher in South Korea than it was anywhere else in the world. So on a daily basis, he, he put a mechanism together where he was able to buy it wherever and sell it in South Korea. And he had, he must have had the, the banking lines or whatever he did. And that's how the, the firm originally made their dough, which was legit. It's an arbitrage. It's like buying, you know, it's buying gold in France and selling it in Germany if the prices are different. And that's why, that's why prices on just about everything match up. Because somebody gets in the middle and, and it's the same thing as, I want to make it, I will draw it a little, if all of a sudden, uh, I'm going to say the Stardust, the long, the long ago Stardust, if they came out and said the Bears are 7.5 point favorites, and the Golden Nugget came out and said they're 10 point favorites, I guarantee you somebody's buying the Bears at the Stardust and selling them at the Golden Nugget, right? I mean, that's, that's, sure. that, that's how markets work, and the people in the middle are not thieves, they actually serve a purpose. So... He first started out by doing that, but then he got into the, all this other stuff. And then, w- when the thing started to collapse, some of these firms like uh, 3CD or whatever the whole thing is, and, uh, and Voyager Digital and those things, he he tried to get in there and save them because he felt the whole industry might be going to get a bad name. And then he was next. But there's I I uh, I've heard mixed mixed views on this. Some people tell me, uh, actually Russell was on yesterday, and he's an economist, knows a lot about this stuff. He says it's it's you know it's a tempest in a teapot. It's going to blow over. It's not that big. Yet one of the people who is in the works for one of the big <coughs> security or uh, futures firms here tells me nobody's untouched. Now it's not going to bring them down, but but nobody's untouched. And they had a million a million clients. How do how do you? Yeah, get I mean I mean there's there's a lot. Listen, this the fervor on this, and I say this as somebody who knows nothing about investing, but the fervor on this resembled the fervor that I saw with the dot-com boom in, in the late 90s. Absolutely. Where, where people were just, you know, they were marketing vaporware, and, and they were jumping on board as a matter of faith. It was, it was again, very much like a religion. You know, this was a, this was a matter of faith. You know, everybody's doing it. Get on board. It's, you know, you want to you look hip. You want to look modern. Uh, you want to look uh, like you're, you know, you're a cool daddy-o. How many more of those phrases can I pull up? But you want to, you want to look like, like you're part of the modern trend, and you want to be able to talk around the coffee machine about, oh, no, I just took some money in this latest this latest project. And it, they're, they're, it, it really is done on faith rather than on the kind of analytical uh, investing models that you guys use. And I, I remember watching it then and thinking to myself, I, you know, I understand a lot of my friends are dumping money into this into this area, but I, I don't I don't see it. What's the what's Well the, the 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 young guy they had on T V the other day for like an hour why they did that, I don't know. But he, he kept it up. Kept it up. This is the future. And then he and he jumps all over Warren Buffett and who's his who's his partner's name? Uh tells it his number one man who's as old as he is. Uh oh God. I, 
you know, I, I don't know, but at Berkshire, at Berkshire yeah. yeah, he's the second guy, and uh, he says these guys, they're just old. They 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 have no idea what yeah. the future is. And he goes, I'll guarantee you that if they were my age, they'd be they'd be in this with both feet because this is the this is the future. Yeah, but you know, people feel the same way about Apple. You you couldn't get a share of Apple out of any of my clients, no matter what. They, they, it's, it's a religion. It's not a stock. But then people felt. Problem is, I, I remember people felt the same way about Cisco. They been they they felt the same way about Oracle, Dell. Not as not as well, Cisco was about as devoted as to, as some people to Apple. Now, I'm not saying Apple. No, no it's I mean it it it's there. I, I but but I, I'm there's a particular kind of mentality that that locks in something like crypto or some trendy, you know, flashy high end technologically sophisticated investor or investment that, that, that looks at that and says, yeah, yeah, I want to be part of that. I will tell you right now, um, athletes, entertainers, because because the, the people that are involved in marketing these kinds of, of flashy, high-end, technologically sophisticated services and products, they look they look for that the, 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 those kinds of people because that bolsters the this is the hip with it thing to do. And, and you know, athletes like Brady and and a number of the other entertainers that jumped in on this thing, you know, they were they were the perfect foil. And uh, it, it's you know the only the only difference between this crash and the Theranos crash is that this crash isn't being led by an attractive woman dressed all in black. Well, and there, but and they also don't have a board. With Schwarzenegger on there and Kissinger and all that well, stuff. Well, that that that's true, but but the you know it had, it didn't have a board of it didn't have a board of investors. That that was part of a that was part of the issue. Speaking of which, we got to go break here. We got to drag. No, we got to go to break. But uh, oh, I, I, okay. I was but I will tell you this. I was I watched the Brady thing, and Lou, I was very disappointed for you that you were not one of the people he called. <laughs> Were you to say I'm in? I like the guy yeah, who said. Well, the guy from New England I said I hate. I would have said. I would have said, Tom, what is what is actually behind all this money that you're putting in here? What are you actually buying? That would have been cut out of the commercial. The <laughs> 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 future's down twenty six. I kept thinking Lou's going to be next, and he would. Then the guy even called the guy from New England and said, "I hate you because you move, but I'll buy some or I'm in or whatever." Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Down sixty eight. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. 
A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello, everybody. Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Andrew on the, on the board. SP Futures down 29. NASDAQ Futures down 80. This happened to be an up last night. Um, so kind of, I, 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 I still love this thing. Andrew, which one of these are you? Concealed, corrupt, crooks, criminals, conmen, and carnival barkers. I think I definitely more on the carnival side. You'd be a carnival barker? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Dow, Dow Futures down down 221. Um, over in Europe, we've got the DAX down 12, so call that flat. Uh, FTSE down 46.6%. Kakaron down 49.7. So to the downside there, but not huge. We're in Asia, the Nikkei down 97.3%. Shanghai down 5. Call that flat. Uh, Hang Seng down 210. It's heading south again. It's 1.15, but still over 18,000. After making a low of 14.5%. I'm going to say a week ago Monday, maybe. My, my memory might be a little bit roughly about two weeks ago. So it's bounced back pretty pretty serious. Uh, Tencent uh, is down a bunch. So Hong Kong stocks, they were down 2%. They came back to being only down 1.15. Uh, so that would have been a big sell-off at 2. Yesterday, Dow was down 39. S&P down 32. NASDAQ down 174. NASDAQ was down on Wednesday. Almost the exact same amount it was up on Tuesday. So we're starting to see that kind of movement in the market. Tenure up three basis points, but still only 3.72. Is everybody's convinced that the Fed's going to turn around and start lowering rates, and we're going to have forever 10-year rates seriously lowered the inflation rate? That's not good for savers. Let's hope we're not, it's not, not going to happen. The bond under 2%, 1.98. Uh, Japan, 0.24, unchanged. Oil, 
Uh, down a buck 37, 84.22, way away from the 90 hours that it made last week. Uh, Brent down 113, 91.73. Natural gas up 17 cents, 637. Arbob down 3 cents, 247. We've got gold down 640, but still in the fairly high 1700s. 1769, silver down 39 cents. Silver 20 bu- 21 bucks at 21.13. Copper down 5 cents, 372. We have Bitcoin up 18, but 16,566. Kind of in this danger zone. It was not much lower. I think they're gonna, you're going to see some uh, more margin stuff. The U.S. dollar, which has been getting hammered, is now is up a little bit today. That's why gold and the other stuff's down. The euro is down to 1.03. It was up to 1.05, I believe. And the, and the, and the uh, British pound down to 1.18. That's a full 0.8%. A full 0.8%. Andrew, what do you got for us? Traffic Weather Sports. All right. It's 6.37 here in Chicago on Thursday, November 17th. Uh, for sports tonight in the NFL, we can look forward to the Titans playing the Packers at 7:15. Looking forward to the Packers as much as we can. Uh, but over in the NHL, last night the Blackhawks lost to the Blues in a 5-2 game. Now for Chicago weather today, it is cold and cloudy. Currently at 30 degrees with a high of 34. You forgot no. damp. Oh yeah, oh yeah. A little, a little. You know, it's just not a good day today. No. I think is the best way to describe it. But uh, over in Phoenix, it's currently clear at 46 degrees with a high of 72. And now finally for Chicago traffic, uh, only one major accident, thankfully, but that accident has blocked the left two lanes, the northbound Dan Ryan, just before the Stevenson, and you can expect delays of around 30 minutes over there. Uh, Otherwise, yeah, no major accidents to report on the expressways, but traffic is building on them, as it always does. That's all I got. Back to you. I'm glad to see you're reaching a point where, unlike uh, Angelica and... And little Matt, they've got the, the the Ryan going east and west when, in fact, in the city it does go north and south. Nobody in Chicago have any idea what you're talking about when you say the eastbound Dan Ryan. Typically, if I don't know, I just say inbound or outbound. Ah. <laughs> so, Lou, I have a question for you regarding this missile in Poland. Let's say, for instance, uh, you're flying by in your fighter jet, and I decide to uh, shoot something at you like a SAM missile, and I miss... Well, the damn thing has to come down someplace. And when what percentage of a miss? I can't believe there's more. There's not more collateral damage if these things landed. I remember New Year's Eve when Cabrini Green was still here. The police wouldn't let you go through the Cabrini anywhere near Cabrini Green on the streets because everybody in there is shooting their guns off in the air, and the things are going to land somewhere. And we're, is this this can't be the first accident like this, is it? No. Uh, so so these missiles have a, you know, a, a hit rate and a miss rate. Now, usually, they have a self-destruct charge that requires them to, you know, they detonate in the air. If they miss their target or they lose their target, they have a they have a fail-safe that goes off that will detonate the missile so that it, you don't get the explosive charge uh, arriving, you know, down on the ground after the missile misses. So, apparently, this, this S-300, which is a, a, a Russian missile system. This S-300 uh, was fired at something um, in in the direction of Poland. So it it may have, you know, it, it could have been fired from the other side of Lviv. Those things have a, those things have a long range. So they, let, let's say Lviv, which is in the far west of Ukraine. Here comes a cruise missile going for, or a, a target going for Lviv. 
somebody hoses off an S300 from the eastern side, from the east of Lviv, going westbound, because it's chasing this missile, which is coming from the east, going, going toward the city. And it, they fire this thing. It takes off after the cruise missile. It, now, so now it's flying westbound. It misses. It continues on a ballistic trajectory. And, and as I said, normally after it misses, it would, it would explode on its own, and, and you just have little little missile parts coming down. Well, that'd be bad but enough it, if you're having a campfire or something. Well, it, it, I mean, it, you know, they're, they're small fragments, and they're not, they're not, they can't fall that fast because they're not that heavy. Um, so it, it self, that, it, the self-structure doesn't work. So now you've got this, this missile basically on a ballistic trajectory flying westbound, it goes over Lviv and continues on into into Poland. And because the self-destruct charge didn't work, when it hits this village, it, it explodes and that's why you get people killed and damaged. It, it's not it's not surprising. I mean, it, not, again, not all of these things are going to hit their target and then not all of the self-destruct charges are, are going to work. This is an ongoing problem, by the way, with the Palestinians and their, their terrorist buddies who fire rockets in Israel. About a third of those things don't don't reach terminal velocity because they're poorly manufactured. And so they just fall back to Earth and you know, within the within the Palestinian territories and, and explode and kill people and you know, then then everybody runs around saying, Well Israel just bombed us when in fact it, it was their own their own rocket. So so this is a you know, this is an issue. Um that's tough. but but it's but it's perfectly I mean to me the minute I heard it was a you know a Russian missile that hit that hit Poland, I, I thought, well, I, I I think I'll wait for the I think I'll wait for the autopsy because it it, it very likely could be could be something um, you know from from Ukraine because most of their arsenal that they have in terms of air defense, especially, is is Russian. So, um, I was looking. At, I don't want to. Dive into By the it. way, the, the the stuff we're giving them, the stuff that's coming in right now in, from from Europe, the NASMs and and uh, some of the other uh, short range air defense stuff looks really good. There's a really I've seen some videos of uh, caliber uh, cruise missiles being intercepted by uh, by their surface to air stuff, and and I, I mean, our our defense people yesterday claimed. Uh, so far, but they were getting them somewhere close to 100 percent hit rate on the missiles that were fired at the uh, at these cruise missiles that are being launched. Well, 100 percent's a lot. Very impressive. 100 percent's a lot. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, they made that they made that comment about the Patriot too back in the the first Gulf War. But but I mean, we have better we have better monitoring now, and and these systems that we that we we've, we've sold them. Uh, the short-range stuff is basically an air-to-air missile. Uh, it's called an AMRAM, uh, a variation of that air-to-air missile that's mounted on a on a trailer with some very sophisticated radar, uh, ground radar, and and these things, you know, it, it, these these things are already being manufactured. We're just, we're just their heads are modified slightly. Well, yeah, and, uh, apparently proving to be a very effective short-range air defense system. Well, I'm going to shift into the political realm here a little bit and not so much of which side is which it's just how how the, the, the subjects that are not 
spoken about by either side is, is everybody thinks that they're at each other's throats when I think they're really not. I think they're both stealing money. <laughs> they, they sound like they're at each other's throats, but I get this thing from uh, Quora that the, where you ask the question, all these people dive in and answer questions, right? Well, one guy says, how could we possibly even consider uh, Trump? The guy's totally unfit for presidency. So, of course, this guy who's a Trumper dives back in, and, and there's like six things that Trump did that makes him look like, you know, Roosevelt, for God's sake. But the first one had to do with oil and how everybody knows that when Trump was in office, the oil, uh, oil was moving forward. We had all kinds of oil. We had blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it... it I, I, have to, I guess I have to blame or credit Carl for doing this to me. I always now look at, at, a, at about a 10-year look on stuff. And it gives you an entire different view of the world than just looking at what you think happened last year or what this politician said or what he allegedly did. or this. It's funny. I, I would say that um, Trump's attitude toward oil was much uh, more favorable than Biden's. There's no doubt about that and probably more favorable than Obama's. and uh, But I think people need to have a, a better view of how circumstances overwhelm these people. more even, So where they, don't, they do stuff that they don't even... And I'm going to say that Trump was very favorable oil. Yet every single thing you look, if you actually look at any of the stats, I was thinking tempted to write to this guy, but I go, it's worthless. No matter what I say, he's not going to believe it. If you actually look at all the stuff, the stats... The oil production went down dramatically under Trump from Obama and now has come back up fairly rapidly, not as rapidly as it should have because of, of Biden's uh, cross-currents towards the industry. So I'm not a fan of... But I'm saying, here, here you got a guy who supposedly is favorable and a guy who's not favorable, and yet when one guy was in office, the thing went down so far that he was pleading with the Saudis to turn off the spigots. And, oh, by the way... The Permian Basin, the Bakken, rig counts, whatever, every, every p- potential thing you look at went down dramatically under Trump's reign and has come back up under Biden. Yet, yet, but the, the facts absolutely conflict with the story. It, you know, it's well, or, 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 you know, the story is, the story is cash prices. That's the story. Right. From a political perspective. They were low under Trump. And and the drop in production that you reference was not reflected at the gas pump. Right. So, so, what so my response to that is, what you know, the 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 vagaries of the market making its adjustment and its corrections um, had a had a real it did not have the same impact under Trump that they do under Biden. And I we've already talked about this ad nauseum. The, right. The issue, the issue is not the is not the rig count. The issue is what's happening at the refinery. I understand it. And I understand this guy, it. This guy, this guy. I I just said boat, that, that, that I don't like this guy's policy, but I'm saying if you actually look for proof on that, I mean, I, I'm just I'm just I want to talk about something else. But what I'm saying is, if you actually look at what I mean, I would bet Lou if I went into some of the high end restaurants in Chicago tonight and gave everybody interviews. Actually, I'd send Andrew to do this. He's better. People like him more than I do me. And you ask people who hired Volkman, 99% of the people would say Reagan and he squashed inflation. No, he didn't. Carter did. And then the worst inflation was in, it, were in Reagan's first three years. Even worse than Carter. Yet, he got elected again. They turned the bus around. 
and and Volkman or of what's his name? Uh, the, uh, the I just said his name. Uh, who was hired by Carter? Uh, turned the bus around in a, in a way that I don't think he, I don't think he was anywhere near the star that people think he is. Uh, but but by the way, I'm saying it, it is it is stunning, Lou, when you look at the facts versus. And I'm not talking about just the Democrats, just one side or the other. I'm saying people get credited for stuff that they. That, that they it, I don't. I, I just. Maybe it's education, whatever it is, is it? It's very difficult to match up what actually is happening happening in society to what the president did like last year. It always has been, and yet somehow people still believe it. You know, well, typically, typically with economics, I mean, I mean, and we have we. I don't know if you're not going to get any argument from me that that a the the current president is generally the beneficiary or or the recipient of whatever his predecessor did, and, or two and or two or three tends to drive yeah. what happens on his on his watch, or two or three, because yeah yeah, and but so so yeah so I I mean I'm, I'm I, I, you're not going to get any arguments from me about that I mean. The Reagan the Reagan defense buildup was started under Carter. I, I'm I, I know that, um, and and we we there there are long term trends in our economy, long term trends in, in the world economy that that whoever comes into office just gets buffeted by, and 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 really can't doesn't have that much that much to say about it. I'm not sure that's the case with oil prices or with, with our, our gasoline prices, but regardless, I, oh, he, I, I agree with you that, that long-term, long-term impact is, is much more important than long-term, a long view is much more important than the short view. The, the problem we have in our, in our body politic is that our, our, so much of the voter voting public is economically illiterate that and, and and civically illiterate that they do not understand this and if you try to explain it to them you lose them you lose them yeah totally lose them so short term short term stuff short term news reporting short term scaremongering um, you know will will always will always prevail over the guy who tries to sit down and say let me explain why we are here right now well and then somebody's and to, the only way these people deserve it, though, is they also, and on the campaign trail, will tell you that, that they're going to, that they're they're going to they're going to fix death in their first month in office. Well, they're not going to fix death. <laughs> you know, they they, no. they promise you stuff. Then when they don't come through, it's kind of their own fault. But then if you don't promise people stuff, you don't get elected. It's you know, it's it's kind of a, uh, a weird well, game. Well, let me let me just track off on something else that was attached to our first topic of discussion our friends at FTX and that is and that is sports financing because I wanted to mention this because I saw I saw NIL came up uh, or I heard NIL coming up again uh, in, in a discussion earlier this week the the latest the latest NIL controversy and and you knew it was going to end up this way is is over the unfairness that certain female athletes have in terms of NIL, because of their physical attractiveness and and their ability to market themselves as, for better or worse, sex objects, and and it it was it was really no it's there was a, a long discussion about this uh, 
over the weekend on, on one of the one of the sports business columns that I follow, <clears throat> talking about the the fact that there's there's a I think she's a female gymnast with I think Alabama or one of the southeastern conference schools who's getting a million dollars a year in NIL just on her own, marketing her videos, marketing her uh, fashion advice, whatever, and you know she's she's gorgeous, she's fit. She, you know, articulate, comes across, and, and these, uh, for lack of a better term, feminist sports business analysts were noting that this is an inherent advantage in this kind of marketing, in this kind of unrestricted marketing, that attractive people, now they, they put it in terms of race, obviously, but and gender, but attractive people are, are going to have over over unattractive people. And I, I thought to myself, I knew it was going to devolve like this because this, this pie is, you know, these people do not want the market to, to run this. And, and you know, welcome to the world of being an offensive lineman on a, on a national championship football team, you know, with a great quarterback. You know, guess what? Nobody's going to know your name either. Well, you know? I mean, the, the, let's put it this way. We we uh, this is the this is the oddest com- country in in terms of I've only been to Europe a couple of times I was only for a couple of days but their their view of sex is a lot different than ours and I think an awful lot healthier. Well, but, it depends where you go in Europe. Well, yeah, it depends obviously, but well, I mean, I, yeah, I, I get it. But I'm mean, going to a couple of places I was, but the this whole idea that we we can't it, it's incredible that we that we uh, actually look at somebody who's good looking and say. She's attractive, or he's attractive. That's so politically incorrect, and you can't hire anybody for that or not. Yet we spend what what percentage of the economy on health clubs, stuff to make you smell decent, and clothes that make you look good, and everybody. Well, well, well chief, chief, how much how much of our advertising is based on sex? Right, without a doubt. But we're we're totally in denial when we talk about there's 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 no question that Tom Brady made that commercial because Tom Brady's a good looking guy. Not to, and there, there's, if he was, you know, uh, if you know, I'm going to say who was, I can't even think back of a offensive lineman who might have been an all pro that nobody wanted to look at. I mean, I mean, come on, Tom Brady's going to get that job. I'm not. I mean, I get it. I mean, at least, at least I get it. I'm not going to say, gee, I should, I should be sued because they should have gray-haired guys on there and not Tom Brady. That's not what anybody wants to look at. I, I get it. Why, why does the rest of the world not get it? I mean, the, the first thing well, it's is not, that it's not that they don't get it; they get it. <clears throat> I mean, I mean, this 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 woman who was writing this column said, "We're, we're driving ourselves. NIL is going to drive us back to ignoring the athletic accomplishments of these women and objectifying them based on their physical appearance." And and my response to that was, "Hello, yeah, you wanted the marketplace in on this." You wanted these people treated like employees. What do you think you're marketing? Well, who are the two? Uh, this is when this first started. Lou, who were the the first two? Maybe not the first two, but one of your initial peoples to sign a contract were some some mid level, maybe not a mid level, but a, but a strong volleyball school that I would never have heard of. Two twins on there, two ladies. Talk about smoking hot, Lou. They, they they got a contract like the first afternoon. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and I mean, it just you get the name track and field. I mean, I, I always laugh about the fact 
that, that the women's track uniforms are no, nobody looking at female uh, women's track uniforms or, or women's beach volleyball uniforms is or, or you know, gymnastics uniforms are, are anything other than accentuating the female physique and the female body for purposes of enjoyment of the spectators. Without a doubt, and, and, and it's and, and it's I mean it's entertainment. That's that's what is entertainment is, and to listen to these these quote scholars unquote again basically denying reality. I, I just it was well, it was fascinating to me because this was the issue that we talked about from day one on NIL is how do you deal with unequitable or inequitable dis- dispersal of this money because it's going to go to people with name recognition. It's going to go to people who look great. It's going to go to the superstars or the most prominent. You know the most prominent performers, and it's not going to trickle down. Well, how do you? How do you know you're? For example, let me. Can I ask you the basic? We only have a few minutes. I want to ask you the, the basic question here, and it's probably going to be a hour long answer. But I mean, now, let, let's let's say my firm. You know, PTI. Okay. Now, if we're hiring for somebody in the back office, if we're looking for an accountant, which we you know we don't, but say we were. I mean, I I know that that uh, in the back of my mind, and I'm not. I'm, not, I'm just. I'm just trying to be business-like here. I'm not trying to be a, you know, some kind of a cad. But if it's an accountant, I don't care if it's male, female, tall, short, fat, skinny. I, I really, I really don't care. I don't, I don't, I don't care what color. I don't care anything. You know. But if, but if, but if he's, but if he or she is client-facing, you care. That, without, without a doubt. Now, and now, now, all of a sudden, if we gave two or three seminars or, or showed up at three seminars like we used to do a month, and and the lady in question, if it's a lady. Is going to stand up in front of those people, greet them at the door. I don't. I really don't care if she's dropped dead gorgeous, but she has to at least dress properly, look professional. I mean, I don't really care if she's you know a model, uh, but she at least has to. She's not going to show up with with four tattoos and, and, and torn blue jeans in front of my clients. Now, okay. Now that that's now if, now if somebody's on TV, well you're gonna you're gonna ratchet it up another notch, right? You don't want some. I mean, I. If I got, if they put me on there, they'd say, "Hey, buddy, you better lose fifty pounds or something, and <laughs> get some work done on your f- whatever." I mean, they don't. I know they don't want me there. So I mean, I, I, but how do you, where where is where are the lines where one is entertainment? You're, you're not gonna you're not gonna hire some you know as a movie star. Of course, she's gonna be gorgeous, or so the guy's gonna be good looking. How, but where where does the where does the lines cross where you can all of a sudden make that part of the empl- the employment thing? Obviously. If you look at an accountant in your office versus a movie star, it's pretty easy. But there's a lot of little lines between those two. Well, this 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 goes. You're right. It is it is a long answer, but but I'll I'll just sort of try to give you the short version. It is it is legal in in most places uh, to discriminate, if you will, on the basis of appearance in terms of a business like. Or professional appearance that you are trying to establish for your client-facing positions. Um, there are some places. I think I think San Jose, California, or one of the other one of the other little birds around San Francisco has actually put an appearance discrimination statute in that says it's illegal to discriminate against people based on the way they look. But but in most cases, a business is, is justified in saying, "I hire this person." Because he was the person who I thought was most likely to present an appearance that looked good to our customers. Now, 
where you get into trouble is when you start mixing appearance with race or gender, and in some places, obesity. I mean, I mean, the, the, it, it's generally allowed to discriminate against somebody, and, and if you come to because your assessment of their appearance, if they're if they're grossly overweight, is is you know is negative, and, and it's it's something you don't want to put you don't want to put in your office. There is there's a a push by the EEOC and, and some other entities to, to make obesity uh, a disability, and therefore you you can't discriminate on the grounds of that this person is obese. But um, there, there's a, a complicated analysis that goes in, in play with that with respect to job qualification. But but yeah, so the short answer is generally appearance discrimination is is permissible, but you know people don't talk about it. You, you try not to say the quiet part out loud. Okay. I don't want because because a lot of times it's bound up with race or gender or whatever, right? And and and, and you know the EEOC's really has been for a long time has been big on something called gender stereotyping or sex stereotyping, where you say, well, I want an attractive woman out in front in front of the front office, and and an attractive woman has these following attributes, and if I get a woman in who doesn't have those attributes. Then, then I'm discriminating against her on the basis of this gender stereotype. It's semantically complicated, but but the short answer is, you may hire for appearance in in, in particular positions, and even even if they're not closet facing, but but you have to come up with a legitimate justification to do so. And I would tell my clients, don't say you're hiring you're hiring her or him because he's gorgeous or she's gorgeous. No, you would hiring them because of this other this other qualification. All right, bud, we got a dash. Uh, take care of yourself. Talk at you uh, next week, if not sooner. But more stuff doesn't come up about this Ukraine stuff. We're gonna have. Um, um, I will. I will probably not be here next week, but uh, I'll talk. Is it next week. Next week isn't Thanksgiving. Next, isn't next week's Thanksgiving, so you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Okay. Talk to you in two weeks. Uh, your, your your girlfriend Angelica wants to come on and talk about that was her city that got liberated, so she wants to come on and. In two weeks, we'll, two weeks we'll have Excellent. her in uh, okay. when, when you're in because uh, she loves you. I don't know. I don't know what's got into her, but she loves you. So what can I say? Uh, she has, well, she hasn't met me. That's why. <laughs> that, that could be. That's the future's down thirty nine. Has the future's down one twenty three. Quick break. We're back, Mr. Dan Janitas. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? 
Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Something happening here. Hello, and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom on the board. SP Futures down on 43. We're leaking here pretty good. NASDAQ Futures down 133. A little aggravating because I, when we had some calls that were buried in the money and this run up, and we did something a little, got us a little longer at the top. I guess I wish I wouldn't have done that because if it keeps doing this, these calls won't be in the money anymore. Dan, how are you, bud? Doing good. Doing good. Would you say this is the ever changing marketplace by like the minute or what? Absolutely. Yeah, no question about it. I have a really interesting just you know, just to watch in the bond market as well, just to watch the the um change since our last uh oh. our car last week is you know, to see the yield curve inverted um by sixty five basis points now, you know, twos to the tens, which is the greatest it's been in forty years. I mean it's it's just amazing to see the money pouring into uh treasuries, you know, the flight to quality a lot people looking for that flight to quality in the yield now. But that yield curve inversion, you know, is is just in that short period of time is pretty significant. Well, then what do you um, – actually, w- let me get this very specific question out of the way before I forget because two or three people have asked, actually asked me. Uh, uh, after consultation with you, and I feel the same way, but I always feel better when you agree, uh, we've stayed very short with – with people, uh, in ter- short with people, investments in terms of six-month T-bills, one-month yes. T-bill. And, uh, you know, we got as high as four-point something. Last week, I think we got three-something, but three-eight, maybe, or somewhere in there. Uh, and, and the banks have been, inc- the big banks have been incredibly slow. You know, they're, 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 to me, they're screwing people right and left. But at least yes. in this area, there's people with 17-months, 13-month CDs that are pushing 4%. So... Some of the smaller banks are actually giving you something. The big banks, eh, I'm, not, I'm not so sure. But uh, there's been some questions to me about these these things they call preferred to variable. That some of these companies have a it's a preferred stock, but then they can call it, and then it, it reverts to a bond. Uh, 
with uh, the rate four four points above LIBOR, whatever the it's not LIBOR anymore, whatever it is. Have you done anything with those? I guess I guess they're becoming they're all over the place now, from what I hear. Yeah, I haven't. I'm not. I'm actually. I'm not that familiar with with uh, that. I mean, some of the preferreds um, trade like bonds, so that you know when they have mandatory, uh, you have a mandatory preferred. It has a payment that, um, and some do have maturity. So in a sense, you're you're, you know, you have the structure that's set up that's identical to a bond, where you have a mandatory payment. Um, they usually quarterly with preferreds, um, and you actually have a maturity date, but. Others are, you know, perpetual, and others have, you know, cumulative, where you have to eventually pay all of the um, interest payments or the dividend payments, if you will. And then you have the ones um, like that are perpetual that just, you know, and, and the company can make a decision on whether they pay and how much they pay. But I have not, I'm not, um, I'm not familiar with the, you know, uh, we haven't been necessarily looking at any of the new preferreds. No. Well, I'm gonna. What I'm going to do, I'll try and get, I'll try and get a, let you know. I'll try and get you a couple, a couple of the specific dates, and maybe next week we're not going to be on on Thursday. We'll get you in uh, one of the other days and maybe talk about it because sure. it seems seems like it would make some sense. Uh, I mean, you've got the, the dividends coming for a while, but then the company can turn it to uh, interest, which they can actually deduct, which they can't the dividends, uh, which is right. yeah. so it's more of a tax play, I think, than anything else. It would be but, a tax play, exactly. And uh, obviously for. For a client, it would be the other way. The dividend rate is cheaper than uh, than, you, than you pay on the on the interest, so it's it's kind of the opposite for 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 that that person. Um, second question is, uh, we've got some people. I mean, I'm not going to say younger, uh, but I just did. Uh, are absolutely convinced with these two numbers, CPI and PPI, that we're we're back to a uh, you know one and a half two percent uh, rate in, in the next. Two years, so that's why this ten years is going down like it's falling off a cliff. Um, I, I mean, are, are we are we saying for the next decade or two that savers are going to continually get less than? It? Does anybody really think this inflation rate is going to drop below like one or two? I mean, is, are we saying a, a saver never again will be able to match inflation with his savings? That that's a that's yeah, that, that sucks if if that's if that's the deal. I, I agree. Yeah, and I don't think that's. I don't think that's. I don't think it's. I don't think we can really look at what's going on because, as, as I was starting to say, this major inversion in the curve tells us, you know, signals has traditionally signaled a major slowdown. But if you look at the spread in high yield bonds, um, you know, which are tend, tend to be, you know, if you want to look at the risk spectrum of bonds, they tend to be on the riskier side. The spread on high yield bonds has tightened so much that it's hard to get the yield that even we were talking about a few weeks ago, and the spread is actually tighter than it is uh, historically, so that's telling a whole different message. It's telling a message that that things are good, we don't see any problems with credit going forward, and yet the Treasury market is saying, no, things are going to slow. The the interest in the tenure, the reason that the, the rates have been, and I agree with you on this, um, the sudden drop that you're seeing is, it has, you know, it's a combination, again, it's, the U.S. market has become, always has been, but has even more so lately become um, the flight to quality. You know, and, and so if you're, you know, if you're a foreign investor, you can get 4% or more in the U.S. Um, but what's interesting, it's also become an investment. So like you were saying earlier that you had put some uh, clients in some, short, some short-term some short U.S. Treasury bills. 
we've actually made money on those, <laughs> you know, which is, you don't think of making money on like a one-year T-bill, but we've actually made money on those as the yields have gone down. So going forward, it the savings rate, um, we, we have to remain attractive in order for people to continue to invest. But remember, it's early, and we're going through this period, it's almost like month to month, or this this period between the Fed meetings where the yields, you know, they go up when the, when the announcement of the, you know, the next 75 basis point increase happens. And then there's that flight to quality and there's all the buyers. And then the, the yields come down. And now, again, we have one, but it's not for another month, you know, uh, December 13th and 14th. And we may get 75, we may get 50. No question we're going to continue to see rate hikes into the into the new year. There is inflation, and that is absolutely there in terms of um, looking at um, not only, you know, the um, inflation that you're seeing in CPI, but if you look specifically at certain areas, you know, whether um, labor or whether... Yeah, you got to sneak to a different got to sneak to a different spot in the room or something. We're, we're breaking up. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, so it's... Is that the... It made it, if you're talking, it made it worse. No, oh, okay. I can't, can't hear you at all. There you go. Now, now you sound better. All right. Okay. Uh, so, so yes, the uh, I mean, inflation is 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 there. It's going to continue. Um, the Fed will continue to to raise rates, um, and it just seems that these these interim periods between the Fed meetings were in this massive buying of, of Treasury, so it's bringing the rates down, and it's it's creating this very strange environment that I don't think in my thirty-seven year career as a bond manager I've seen um, and I've not seen that you know you could almost do it you can almost be a day trader with, with T-bills now oh, uh, you I might, you recommend might. that but it's still I think the treasury bill you were asking for a good short term investment I think the treasury bill is good investment um, one year you can even get one years that mature uh, off the runs that mature in December of 2027 that are yielding 3.9% so as a cash alternative that to me seems you know that seems pretty attractive, and then at that point, we'll see rates a little bit higher. So you'll continue to be able to reinvest at a higher rate. Um, for at least for the foreseeable future, we I, I I don't agree. You know, with the with what you were saying in terms of the um, are we going to ever see a decent rate? You know, savings rate going forward for the for the foreseeable future. I think we will. You know, for until as long as the Fed continues to raise. And as long as all this money that's been put into the system, you know, this, this long expansionary period that we've gone through has put us at a point where all this money is in the system, well, the money keeps going back into the market, whether it be into bonds or whatever, that continues to fuel these rallies that we're seeing. As long as that's happening, the Fed will keep raising rates. So so I think they'll, we'll continue to see higher rates. Um, and, I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure I would see... I mean, I'm not sure if inflation is going to come down. I'm not sure if we're going to see one or two percent, but um, anytime soon. But uh, it's well, but the, yes, we will see. We will see uh, higher rates, you know, into the new year. But we're not going to be. We're, we're never going to get if, if you if, uh, if if Grandpa either of either one of us is still alive and put a million bucks in the bank three years ago. I'm going to say he's down thirty five percent on buying power. And you just yeah. stole thirty five percent from the poor guy. Yeah, I mean that's that, that's true. If you're talking about that, you know, investment, I would agree with that. Um, we're talking going forward. I'd say now, you know, it, it, 
I would be I would still be reluctant to put you know put money in bank I, banks. I do think like you know we said we have some some better alternatives. And one that I want to go back to that you've asked about a few times before are municipals. You know they're 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 they've become more attractive as this this year has progressed. They've also performed well, and you're getting the the yield you're getting is is um, like ninety seven percent of the yield you get on the on the, the comparable treasury of that maturity. Interesting thing about the muni market though is the yield curve is positive, which means that you the longer you go out the more the more yield you get. So if you want to buy munis, you know, look at five years or, or longer, five or 10, 20 year municipals. And doing a little bit of homework, you know, um, actually look at Chicago. I mean, Chicago's got a triple B rating. They pay more. You're going to have that extra tax break, the state break as well. And um, Fitch, the rating agency, is, get, has a positive outlook. Um, whether or not, um, you know, we agree with that. Um, at least we're going to have. You know, it's a pretty, it's a pretty. Good, you're going to get a, a pretty substantial yield on that. So you can. You know, there are ways you can still get yield. You have to be creative, though. I think, and I don't think it's at a bank. Like you're saying, I, agree I, uh, with you. I think there's the opportunity cost. And I will say, I will say two I things. Think banks Dan. are taking a, a big chunk. <laughs> I'll give you. I'll give you two things. There is not a snowball's chance in hell that any one of my clients that live in Chicago would believe that rating and ever put a dime in Chicago. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I have two issues with the munis. First of all, that's why I keep I keep asking you because, in theory, I love them. You know, there, there's especially for guys that are, are doing well and have a higher tax bracket. Um, if you can catch the right one at the right price in the right place. If if I knew that the you know the, the, the sewer thing in Des Moines was a good a good deal, if I had that capability, every single time though I've tried to do something with one of these things, and we have you know we don't sell a lot of munis, but we certainly have had people over through the years that have tried have tried to brought bring that not tried have brought them in with them, and they say, well, how about yes. trying to sell this one for me? And God bless it, Dan. I had a, I had a guy who had a, I don't know half a million bucks in a. In a in a Philadelphia TIF district, Jesus, the the market was forty ninety or some crap. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, no liquidity. And I tried to offer it at eighty, and all of a sudden the guy's offering it at eighty one. And I go, wait a minute, I'm offered at eighty. The mar- the market is horse bleep. I mean, it, it, it's 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 like the old Nasdaq market forty years ago, whenever we went to jail. I mean, right. the, the guy will offer it at eighty one. He'll say, well, if I sell it there, I'll, I'll buy it from you at eighty. I go, well, that, that's pretty white of you. I just I don't feel I can do my job for my client in that area. Now, if it's an insurance company and they want me to go buy something at the original auction and hold it for 20 years, yeah, that I can do. But Or, you know, I, I, I can have that. RBC will do that for me. But this idea of actually playing with these things, and God help you if you ever have to get out. Right. So the liquidity is going to be the biggest issue. That's that's absolutely, and part of the reason for that, Tom, is that the issue size is very small, and as you go down in credit quality, it becomes um, they become less and less uh, liquid. Um, the same thing with corporates, although corporates, what I was saying earlier with the spread on high yields being narrow, um, we're seeing a lot of liquidity still. We're seeing a lot of money going into corporate bonds, getting that extra yield on top of what you're getting on treasuries now. So. So we have not been active in municipals, but I just did a little bit of research to, to see where things are now, and it's 
you know, it's not a bad investment at this time in terms of the yield. If you want to stay in the highest quality, most liquid names, you're going to get, there is going to be a tax, you know, you're going to get a tax break. I mean, it's going to be worth the tax break. And, um, but if you want to go down in credit quality, you know, um, you can pick up a little bit more. It's probably not a bad environment, but you, but as you mentioned, and I agree with you, you'd have to be a long term holder. Well, yeah, I have a question. I think I asked this before, but it's probably worth asking again. I seem to remember with the Detroit situation, and somebody else, somebody else went under, some other city. I was Orange County, where the hell it was, but Orange County, right? Yeah. But I mean, I think that you you would always advise, and so would I, based on what I know about municipal finances and so forth, that if you're going to do something in Chicago or someplace, you're probably better off with the Metropolitan Sanitary District bond because there's a, there's a revenue stream to yes. to that, and basically that stream is. I'm going to say always going to be there unless everybody leaves, uh, and, and it's or a toll road bond or something like that, and say okay the toll road. All, I mean you're pretty much captivated. They just raise the raise the rates. They're probably always going to pay you. But I I get very nervous because I seem to recall in the Detroit situation they they didn't segregate those funds. They they somehow piled one over to the other. They didn't say. We're going to give people forty cents on the dollar on the Detroit bonds, but oh, by the way, the Metropolitan District's going to get a hundred. Didn't they? Didn't they somehow blend all that stuff and, and and make it not separate in the courts? That particular one, I'm not too familiar with. But but what what um, happens is the way the they call it the official statement, the, the the bond indenture, the language in the bond indenture, the way it's written is you have to read it really carefully. So as a bond manager, you know when I was managing um, municipals. Uh, municipal funds, we would have to look very carefully to make sure that if we're going to buy um, a revenue bond or if we're going to buy an agency bond, that they're that they they wouldn't be crammed down, if you will, from the from the um, the GO, you know, the the general obligation bond. So, in in some cases, the the way the language is written, there are, they all would be lumped together in a in a you know if there was a workout or restructuring that that took place. A similar situation in Puerto Rico, that one I'm more familiar with because um, the electric, um, we had to own some Puerto Rico electric bonds. People that ended up holding on to those through the restructuring did extremely well. Um, so it was a decent investment. It started out as a triple B. Um, whether you own the, port, the, the general obligation of Puerto Rico or whether you own the electric bonds, you were all put in the same category. So it was actually better, you know, that was a situation that just took some time. So I think I would say with municipals, you have to have a long-term time horizon, whether you're buying higher quality or lower quality, because you're not going to have the liquidity. But they do have a very low default rate, and they do have a very high recovery rate if you're willing to um, hold on. But I think there are better ideas out there right now than municipals. Um I just got back. I was at a conference in New York the last few days, and um, predominantly smaller cap um, companies. And I, I have one new idea that I think is sort of it's a yield idea that that's also a good um, diversifier. And it's a uh, company called DRD Gold. It's a gold miner, and they're based in South Africa. The, the stock is trading around six. What's really different and and um, about this particular company is that, uh, well, this particular stock pays a 6% dividend, which is a nice um, steady, st- steady stock. And they have a major ESG focus. Um, so they have been sort of at the forefront of miners in terms of 
kind of getting, you know, my, looking at miners more as, you know, um, uh, ones that are, you know, following all the ESGs. So what that's done, the reason it's important, whether or not you, you know, you buy the ESG um, thing, why it's important, though, is that a lot of larger investors do in a lot of, like, say, state retirement plans and all that. And they're out now marketing to specifically the pension plans and state retirement plans um, here in the U.S., um, just for that reason, so because they know that there is there is that um, ESG leave, if you will, or that requirement in some cases. So, but as an individual investor to get six percent, you know, it's a decent, you know, it's gold. A gold miner, you know, again, if you have exposure to gold, gold prices continue to be, you know, they're on a little bit of an increase here. They continue to go up. You're going to do, you know, you're going to do well. So it's a, a decent idea, a good management team. Um, you know, like what's what's the symbol? Uh, DRDG or what's is it? Just DRD. DRD. Okay. And and uh, so that's you know they're looking for these ideas that I would I would say again are offering income and offering diversification in the portfolio. Um, and I still like short. You know, I still like the short uh, T bills. Um, and we've talked before about some of the corporate names. Another, you know, one name that has has continued to do well, but. Offers good yield is um, ADT, the security system. They have the bonds, um, the four and eights of twenty-three. You're getting more than six. You're getting more than five percent for a six-month bond. That's going to mature. <laughs> so that's a that to me would be a better a better um, investment than you know a municipal at six months. In fact, it's much better because you're going to get a lot more yield. So if you want to stay on the short end, there's there's plenty of corporate names um, that have good yields. I think we're going to continue to see um, better. I think yields are going to go up. Um, I said with with rates increasing, and I think spreads are going to widen, so there'll continue to be more opportunity in corporate bonds and in bonds in general. I think there's you know we have a um, a good future. And, but one other thing that I'll, I'll say is, from talking to the management teams of the companies um, I met with, is there there's still a lot of concern out there. Um, costs are their biggest, are one of the biggest concern, and also finding talent, finding labor, um, good labor. Other than the tech companies, all of the industries are, are having, you know, are still have still have that challenge. So, to me, this is a risk-off environment. This is not the time to be, you know, to be going and you know finding, um, you know, whether it be a, uh, you know, an illiquid muni or an illiquid um, corporate bond. This isn't the time to necessarily be in. Or an equity that's, you know, that this isn't the time, from as far as I'm concerned, to be buying an equity in biotech unless you really know the company well. Um, uh, and certainly we've seen what's happened with crypto recently, and, you know, we've, we've seen the layoffs in, in some of the big uh, tech names. So I would say that, you know, stay, if you want to stay, continue to stay relatively conservative. You can get some good yield and, a, you know, a decent return with some, I don't, you know, I like to work, use the word safe, but... Much with a much lower overall level of risk, and certainly a lot less uh, volatility. Dan, I have two uh, two questions. We only have a few minutes left, but maybe we can't handle both of them. But uh, I looked at this, the CPI number and the PPI number more at the CPI, and I went through it. And other than the fact that they all reported a 0.3 percent increase, when in fact it was 0.4, which I still to this day can't figure out how the hell they pull that one off, but. Uh, the number wasn't 0.3, it was 0.4 on both the adjusted and unadjusted in the Bureau of Labor Statistics or to, to do the CPI stuff. At some point, when are, and 
all across the all across the the, the you know the TV the, the radio it's become sort of tout radio and TV unfortunately and everybody talks about how great I mean Lowe's did because they're 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 up three percent in revenue well for God's sake three percent in revenue is horrible I bet their their normal prices are up fifteen percent over last year or twelve I mean when are we going to get some some truth in labeling here I mean it's the CPI numbers, none of the housing stuff has worked its way through there yet. Very, very little bit. I mean, th- these numbers are just flat-out lies. And exactly, yeah. They're, they're lagging. They're definitely not reflecting what I'm what I'm observing. Like you're saying, even just looking at what's happened with, um, you know, Target was another company that, um, you know, which is, I don't know, the stock down 13% the other day. It yeah. continued to, it continued to suffer. And even though we're seeing all this news that's, you know, that, that's making the top line look good. Part of the reason the top line on some of these companies is looking good is just because prices are higher. Yeah. They're charging more. But their costs are also higher. And they have to be really creative in terms of how they're dealing with their costs in this, this environment. But, yeah, I would agree that there's, there's the numbers are not reflective, and especially after taking this trip to New York uh, City, you know, having really, you know, look, looking at the, the, the prices and paying more attention to, um, you know, the costs there and, and look you know like real estate and commercial real estate and residential real estate it's astronomical i mean it's there i think in some cases the highest that they've, they've been if, if you're looking at the top end so there's there's a lot of money out there and it continues to chase you know the market higher and they're or at least maintain the high levels and people are willing to pay those prices you know yeah, yeah, for yeah. food or you know any of the expenses that you have um uh living there or traveling there so I did notice that the stores weren't quite, quite as crowded, though, just from observation. There were a lot of people walking on the street looking, but not as many people um, actually buying. So, And I, I think that's what's going to happen like through this holiday period is we're going to see a lot less, um, you know, the, if you're looking at the numbers, they I don't know how they do consumer, you know, the retail numbers come out or consumer confidence numbers come out, but there's no question, you know, there's going to be a point where people are cutting back. I think we're already there. I think we've already been there. And um, in time, those are going to show up. Certainly, going back to my first comment, the the, in, the inversion in the yield curves. You know, seeing a much the two-year rate, you know, sixty-five basis points higher than a ten-year treasury uh, treasury bond. That to me, and I still, as a bond person, still highly believe that signals um, a, a major slowdown um, in the future. But that's no, no. We got we got a dash, Dan. But I'm going to I'm going to thank you. Uh, you might agree with that. Slow down, that slowdown is not going to be even. So, Agreed. Um, hey, uh, next week, uh, should we try and find another spot for you to sneak in at least for 15 minutes? I can't go a week without my Dan fix. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I'll be I'll be around. All right, well, we'll bring in we'll bring in with somebody. I'll let you know. Uh, SP futures uh, down 37. Right. As if you're down 121. Be right back, Mr. John Flanning, or maybe Colin with uh, some bets. I'm not sure about that. I'll we'll have to talk to our producer Andrew. Be right back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading 
ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, welcome back, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. SP Futures down 43, Nasdaq Futures down 142. Uh, so that's not so good. That'll be two days in a row on the Nasdaq if we hang in here. Uh, who knows if we will? Dow Futures down 327. However, a bunch going on there. Microsoft down three bucks. We've got uh, Salesforce down three and a half. We've got uh, Visa Card down two two sixty four. Everybody's down here. Goldman Sachs down three and a quarter. Uh, pretty much everything's Caterpillar down three eighty two. Like I said, I've only got Cisco's up on earnings, and we've got Travelers up. Other than those two, everything else in the Dow is is red. Over in Europe, we have the the DAX. Uh, European markets lower as investors. They're not giving me what the numbers are. We'll, uh, they'll be here. In a, they'll be here in a, in a second, I think. There we go. Dax down 53.4 percent. Puts you down 51.7. Cac around down 68. That's a full one percent. So way way more down than they were an hour ago. Over in Asia, Nikkei down 97.3 percent. Shanghai down four. Call that flat. Hang Seng, however, down more than one percent. Down 210. So these guys went from 14.5 to. 18.4, and now they're back to 18, so they're starting to go south again. I don't think, I hope they're not going to go back to 14.4, but time will tell. Yesterday, Dow, Dow was down 39. Dow was okay. S&P down 32. NASDAQ down 174. It's actually a little more than they were up the day before, so we erased Tuesday pretty pretty uh, 
thoroughly yesterday. Barnes, 10-year up, 6 basis points, 7.5, 3.76. Duh. Uh, Bund, unchanged at 2.01. Uh, Japan, unchanged at 0.24. Oil, down a buck 41, 84.18. Brent, down 111, 91.75. Natural gas, up 5 cents, 6.25, back up over 6 bucks. Arbob, down 3 cents, 2.46. We got gold, now down $10, 10 actually, to 17.65. Silver down 53 cents, $20.98. Uh, copper down 6 cents, $370. we have got crypto, I mean Bitcoin down 87 bucks, 16460 And I'm going to guess that the dollar is is up. And by the way, yes it is. The euro is down, is down to 103 and the pound is down to 118 So the dollar is, the pound's down almost a full percent. So the dollar is up pretty strong here today. That's why gold is down and the other stuff's down. They all, they all are together. What do you got for source tra- traffic weather sports, Andrew? All right. 737 here in Chicago on Thursday, November 17th. Uh, for sports, over in football tonight, we can look forward to the Titans playing the Packers at 7.15 p.m. And over in the NHL, uh, last night the Blackhawks lost to the Blues in a 5-2 game. Now over to weather right now in Chicago. Did the Bulls got spanked too. Did they? Oh, yeah. my bad. I missed that. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you'd be like Angelica. All they do is lose. <laughs> I knew, I knew there was something I was forgetting in today's report for sports. But um, didn't forget the weather. Right now in Chicago, it's cold and cloudy and going to stay that way. We're currently at 30 degrees with a high of 34. And over in Phoenix, we're currently at 46 degrees with a high of 72. Now for Chicago traffic, uh, only one major accident to report, and it's way out on the eastbound Eisenhower uh, near US-12, and that's blocking the right lane out there. And, yeah, not a lot of accidents to report, but a lot of red. Nearly every major expressway, both inbound and out, uh, is experiencing pretty heavy heavy delays today. So expect to be waiting in some traffic. But that's all I got. That's just slow. Yeah. So we have Colin? Yes, we do. Colin, how are you, buddy? Good morning, Chief. How we doing? All right. Well, you, I, I think I have you 2-2 two two last week, or are you 3-1? 4-0 uh, last week, Chief. Really? I thought a, per- a, per- a perfect... Yeah. Really? Which which one? Did, why, which one did I miss up on? I had you by a half. You won by a half a point in the uh, Arkansas LSU. by the skinnier teeth on that one. Yeah, we had, uh, and we didn't know that Arkansas quarterback KJ Jefferson wasn't playing in that game. Um, we had the Auburn money line. Oh, that's right. That's right. We had the t- we, had, we had the Titans money line, and then we had the over in the Miami. Um, it's escaping me who they played. The Dolphins. Uh, uh, the, oh, the, Browns, the Browns. The Browns. Over, yeah. the, the Browns. You had the over. Okay. I don't know why. Yeah, for some weekend, reason. And I think I only lost. I think it was about ten and one last week on all eleven plays. Wow. So really solid weekend. I, th- yeah, I, I had um, I, somehow or another. I I missed. I missed on the money line on the Auburn. And I had the the points. That's why I thought you might have lost that one. But uh, you had yeah, the money no, line. We had uh, Ch- Cadillac Williams, the interim head coach, taking over, and they got the job done against. Uh, a, a Texas A&M team that we we talk about just is, is really the wheels are falling off. So how can I how can I get a job where I'm, I'm like twenty million guaranteed and piss them off so bad they can me after two weeks and have to pay me all twenty? <laughs> I mean, if I can find that too, sign me up. Uh, yeah, it's 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 unbelievable. And like I said last week, I think there will be a buyout for Jimbo Fisher um, at some point in this offseason. It's actually a hundred million dollars cheap that he signed. Like. Um, I don't want to say two years ago. So, either way, he's going to be sitting on a, a pile of money at some point. And somebody else will hire him. Yeah, and he'll do a studio gig for a year, and then someone will hire him 
uh, a year later because he won a national championship at Florida State in, what, 2014, I think. So. Boy, Jan Flanagan would love to do that, I know. He's, he's, he's one of those kind of guys. All right, what do you, what do you got for us this week uh, re- reasonably quickly? All right. Yeah, well, uh, happy uh, Holy War weekend, too, Chief. Uh, yeah. BC, Notre Dame. Um, I was talking to my brother yesterday, BC alum, and we were talking about how how great those games used to be. Uh, oh, yeah. In the early and mid-90s. Yep. I mean, you remember some of those battles. Oh, absolutely. So good, yeah. And it's uh, it's a travesty what what it's turned into. And don't even get me started on the BC football program. Absolute joke. Um, but I will say again this week, let's be cautious um, about betting Notre Dame as a as a big favorite again. I, I warned against that last week, and um, you know Navy made a run at the end there. Almost, God, yes. Almost came back and had a chance to win. So the Irish again are, are uh, they're three touchdown favorites this week against BC. Um, what conference? What conference is BC? What conference are they in now? Uh, they're in the ACC. Oh, they are. Yeah, they are, and they they've just been non-competitive. So, but even saying that, I'd be cautious with the Irish as a three touchdown favorite. Um, Maybe, let me start with the collegiate ranks. Yep. Oh, go ahead, Chief. Go ahead. I was saying they have the Irish. They have no quarterback, and the guy from the coach on Navy kept putting one more guy in a line, one more guy in a line. Finally, he had like nine guys in line. The Irish had no answer. Right. Exactly. He's a pretty good coach. Uh, that Navy coach. Yeah, I think so. he is too. All right. Go ahead, so go ahead, but, bud. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll start in collegiate ranks. Um, was on this team last week. So the UConn Huskies. Talk about a, a program that used to be the laughing stock in college football. Uh, Jim Mora Jr., the old Atlanta Falcons coach and UCLA football coach, took over that program. Uh, has done a heck of a job this year with uh, with that UConn team. They are a 10-point underdog this week as they travel to Army. And um, they've actually, co- UConn's covered seven straight games. And last week was a, a two-touchdown underdog at home against a pretty good Liberty team, and they won outright. So I'll go right back to, uh, to this team here, this UConn team as a as a ten point road underdog uh, at Army, and one quick note to Chief Army since 2012 as a favorite is uh, only 24 and 34 against the spread. So we will go there, and then the, the second collegiate game um, was also on this team last week as a home underdog. We'll look at the Hawaii Rainbows. Um, Timmy Chang, the old Hawaii quarterback. I don't know if you remember him, Chief, but yeah. put up all sorts of passing records back in the day. He's taken over as a head coach and uh, has this team playing pretty well. They were a 11-point underdog last week at home against Utah State. Almost won the game outright. They are also a 11-point underdog this week at home against UNLV. And I think that um, they have a chance to win this game outright as well. So I don't think UNLV is very, very good te- a very good team, and uh, they struggle on the road. So we'll look for Hawaii to cover that. And then in the NFL, we'll look at uh, a couple pretty good games. I guess I think the card's pretty good again this week, Chief. A couple good matchups to uh, to call out here. I'm going to start with um, the New England Patriots and the New York Giants as a money line parlay for both teams. So both teams right now are currently three point favorites. But uh, if you money line the Patriots and the Giants together, um, you can get this at a plus one fifty price for both teams just to win. Um, the Patriots are coming off a bye. This is kind of like the old, we've talked about this a few times this year, but Belichick against a, a, a weaker QB, a weaker coach coming off a bye. Um, Justin Fields burned me one week on this, but I think the Patriots um, will take care of business this week coming off a bye. 
And then we have the Giants as a three-point favorite. I know the Lions have taken a little bit of money this week, but the Giants at home, um, they've, they've really taken care of business against crappier teams, and they're 7-2 and two overall. So Patriots-Giants money line parlay. And then we're also going to look at the Dallas Cowboys as a one-point favorite against Minnesota at Minnesota. This kind of looks like the line last week against uh, when Tampa Bay opened as a two-point favorite against uh, Seattle in Germany. A lot of people wondered why they were favored because Seattle had won four in a row, but it really comes down to some of the competition not being great. And I think that um, I know Dallas had a tough game in Green Bay last week, but I think they bounced back here. And it's one of those lines, Chief, it just looks fishy. And usually when it looks fishy or it looks like it would be too easy for Minnesota as a one-point uh, underdog at home, that's usually when you want to take the other side. So we'll go with the Cowboys here. And then last play, you're probably going to give me crap for this one, but we're going to go back to the Pittsburgh Steelers um, as a home underdog against the Cincinnati Bengals. One big piece I think I've missed this year, Chief, uh, in some of the plays we've given out with the Steelers is that T.J. Watt was out most of those games that um, we picked this year for that I think they've won one and lost two but this stat here is uh, when TJ Watts playing for Pittsburgh they're 53 and 24 straight up when he's not playing they've been 0 and 7 so we get the Steelers as a home dog here four point home dog against uh, Cincinnati and uh, I think they'll take care of business so like all these plays this week we'll see if we can stay hot alright bud I hope you do bud talk at you next week we alright take care alright we have Mr. Flanagan with us Good morning, Tom. Are you, are, you, are you done making all these bets on your phone? Yeah. <laughs> My pen was going a mile a minute. <laughs> the, uh, I like these, the, the uh, Hawaii uh, UNLV. I, I, I was uh, got when I used to go to Vegas. I don't even know if they had a football team. They had a great basketball team under Jerry Tarkanian. They, they gave that guy no end of grief uh, because he, he, he dared to become equal to UCLA and some of the other ones. And uh, I remember they were always, NCAA was always investigating him. I remember his wife. Was had the you know she was this big busty blonde with the huge hair, you know she but she was a piece of work, and she she goes, I don't understand how come they're all after us and we go play UCLA, our team's all wearing letter jackets and those guys all got fur coats something's wrong here, <laughs> <laughs> just saying you don't you don't, don't want to tangle with the big firms there always seems to be somebody I did mention to the uh, a couple of judges last night I said I know you guys are. All as fair as you can be, but let me let me just say that the <clears throat> legal system does not work for anybody under the, except for the big people, and they all kind of looked at me and said, you know, you're not wrong about that. So, yeah. was, you missed a good night. We had three, uh, two retired, two acting judges, and a few attorneys. It was a uh, quite a group. Just saying. You know, this this kind of been haunting me that whole idea, Tom, that people when they lose confidence and trust in the judicial system, that's like the last. Bastion, <laughs> you, you would think if, if everything else were to go, but you had that kind of trust in the system to get your remedies when they were needed, that would be, you know, a positive. And I think we've reached a point now where the average person has no confidence in the legal system as it affects them at the local level or when they see what goes on, you know, on a larger a national level. I don't see any kind of confidence in it, and that's that's really hard to reconstruct. Um, well, it's I think it, well, some of it's economic. You know, we, we talk constantly about, well, last month, the, the uh, spike in credit card debt. We talk about what percentage of the population doesn't have 1500 or $2,000 if their transmission goes out or somebody breaks an ankle. Uh, the same person cannot get anything to going on in the court uh, 
if an attorney wants five hundred dollars an hour. Eighty percent of the population has been totally priced out of of the of the system. Oh yeah, and judicial filings overall are down in Cook County big time. And uh, you know it's economic too because you can't afford attorneys' fees. And filing sure. fees have jumped too. But I think it's also a lack of trust. People are not confident in the kind of hearing they're going to get. They they just they bow out of it. And you know that that isn't good at all. I'm sorry. You know. Well, I'm going to say I've I've done some a lot of uh, expert witness testimony in, in my industry, and I've I've been not I, mean, I haven't been charged for anything, but I've been involved in a few court cases or. Or things where people, uh, you know, regarding venue and things like that, and won't even involve the softball game, believe it or not, way back in the day. And every single time, the big person has won, and the and the and the, uh, the judgment, in my opinion, was horse bleep. Every single time. So I'm, I'm unanimous on the whole mess. People that I know went there with every, you know, they went they went up against an exchange. They did something like that, and the legal system just wanted no part of it. Even though they were they were right as rain, and uh, it comes down to who, who who's your guy and who's your guy, and it's yep. and, it, and it really sucks. I mean, and uh, I mean maybe maybe the rest of the country's not like Cook County, but then again, I, I had a case. Audrey had a case. Get a load of this. Uh, some a friend of ours. Well, I'm going to be real brief, real brief with this. A friend of ours um, had this kind of wacky daughter, but the Audrey's in the horses, and so is this other lady. So. Uh, Audrey boarded her horse down there. Well, the lady decided she wanted the horse, even though it wasn't hers. And uh, so the we could never find her, so we gave the, the rent to her mother, who gave it to her. And all of a sudden she says, I'm taking the horse because you haven't paid me rent. And even her mother said, yeah, I gave it to you. So she takes Audrey to court in Indiana. So Audrey, of course, has a, a history of, you know, had a horse since she was God knows what age. Every, she had like three rental people said she was never a day late with the rent in 25 years. What are you talking about? The judge said, we, we're not going to allow any of that, that kind of testimony. What kind of, what kind of testimony do you want? <laughs> you're trying to figure out who's, who's, who's the person who you're supposed to believe versus who's lying. And one person walks up and says, here, for, for 40 years I've paid everybody every day to owe anybody a dime. What are you telling me I'm not paying anybody? And judge says, "Oh no, we're not, we're not, we're not admitting any of it." And he rules for this lady. <laughs> I was like, "Really?" I, mean, I, I, I sat there and I go, "If this happens on some, you know, piss ass little case like this, what happens like to real people?" Not that Audrey's not a real person; she is. But I mean, how, how do you, how does, how is something that unfair even remotely happen? And yet, and the, the softball case, somebody had a, a ruling of a commissioner overturned in court the next day on a softball game back. 30 years ago. Mike Royko wrote a column about it. I mean, it, it's, an, it's incredible what happens in these courts, in my opinion. Now, whether they're fair or not at 26th Street for the average, you know, whether they're fair to the person who, you know, shot somebody, or do they do a good job in that case? Probably. I don't know, but uh, I've never been down there. But I, I, I think the whole thing just, just sucks, yeah? I mean, look, look at this thing with, with, with uh, even the thing with Rod Blagojevich. The guy went through his entire savings got a hung jury and they, they, they had a second trial against him what do you end up using a public defender or something I mean, how, how is yeah. that fair I don't, I don't I'm no fan of Rod Bogoyevich's but that that was about as un-American as I've ever seen just saying you know, you know the new governor of Pennsylvania 
and he just made a meal out of suing the little sisters, you know, the health organization, because of their unwillingness to perform abortions in their health facilities. And despite getting knocked down over and over again, he went back. Well, you know, any kind of charitable organization isn't really set up to have endless funds available for legal representation, right. especially when you're getting sued for the same thing over and over again. And yet there's no sanctions on somebody who does that. There's no, no outcry about it. Most people don't even know what's going on. Well, plus so, if, he, if he lost, he doesn't have to pay your legal fees or anything like that. Right, right. Which is, I mean, I don't know why there's not any counterclaims on this stuff, but it doesn't seem like there ever is. You know, I don't... I don't well, yeah, unfortunately, you know, one of the things that, yeah, I don't know if you can really draw strong causal connections, but the, the onslaught of court TV and the, you know, homemade judges, you know, the, how many TV programs, you know, have this as their premise, the average person gets an impression of the judicial system that it's... You know, you can be a participant in it. You can weigh in on it. They interview the parties, you know, in between you know, testimony or whatever, as if there really is some kind of facts at play here. And who knows how it's going to come out here, and, and we'll defer to the judge and his or her great wisdom. That isn't at all how it works, at all. <laughs> well, but the, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, I'm not a, uh, the, the Judge Judy, who's the other guy, Judge Wapner, and I think the reason why people were there is because, they didn't. They they didn't have to pay, and they and they they actually thought that they'd get as as good of a shake there, and they would in the regular system. Only it would be faster and cheaper. I mean, aren't those aren't those real cases, allegedly? But they're often you know it's the same case kind of over and right, over. I get it. With the same, it was this a loan or oh, was yeah, I get gift, it. or was this you know in the terms of the lease or was not? It's fairly simple, straightforward stuff, and it's like back back fence squabbling sort of stuff, which is how most people see. You know, if I have to get my day in court, it's going to be over something like that, rather than, you know, a securities fraud case or something else that they can barely get their head around. But but it gives people the illusion that there is some kind of fair tribunal available to you. And in the real world, there isn't. To me, I don't, well, the, think, uh, I don't think it's fair. Well, You've got to get the kind of representation you can afford to pay for. And I've heard from... Uh, on what the fix is already, you, you, you may or may not get any kind of justice, so... Well, I, but I've heard from a, a couple of people. One, I didn't even, well, the, the club across the street, the athletic club, used to have a bar in there, right? So it was an interesting bar because a lot of the people who would go to the bar were were people who were staying upstairs in the Everest room. So you got to meet a lot of people that, you know, were pretty, I won't say high-end, but very in, uh, interesting people traveling for business for various reasons. And... Uh, you just sit down there after a workout, and all of a sudden you start talking to some guy about something going on in New York. Well, the one night I happened to, this had to be 12 years ago, 10 years ago, I started, we got on the subject of Trump. And the guy was from New York, and he said, you wouldn't believe how many people the guy doesn't pay and says, go ahead and sue me. And he has people on staff that can handle that and drag it out. And no matter what the project is, whether it's a painter or whether it's whatever, it's never worthwhile for the person to sue the guy. Even if they start it, they, they piss away a few grand initially, and then all of a sudden they realize it's going to be a five-year deal. And it's, he goes, one guy, one young, one, one young firm, well, a couple of guys started the firm, and they put up a tennis court for him. And he waited until it was done and said one of the corners was like a half an inch off, and he's not paying for it. So it buried these guys' firm. He, it happens all the time. And in his place down here, I guess he didn't play to pay to painter. I mean, it, it, and he and, and he uses the, the legal system as a club. 
Every real estate developer in a big city behaves the same way. Yeah, but, but the, the the court does not does not come anywhere near at this guy saying, by the way, it's the third one this year, and you're not only paying this guy, you're gonna you know there's a fine. I, mean, I, I don't know I don't know what you do, John, but it, there, there's there's no way. Plus, we've got to the point where you can't just one up and dot his eye like you used to be able to, right? Uh, so there's no. They, they, you're being laughed at in the in the courts. They they hide behind the courts and laugh at you, and that's and, and you're just sitting there going. That's why you, a lot of people don't want to do stuff for people like that. And, and I, I just say it, it doesn't really work. I don't know what anything. I don't know if anything works now for for regular people. And it's it's the attitude. I mean, I'm starting to see that the attitude on both the extreme left and the extreme right. The attitude is, this bleep isn't working for me. Now whether. They, if they had any brains on both sides, they would sit down and say, I don't like you at all. But by the way, it sure seems like we have the same issues because they do. The extreme left and the extreme right really do have the same issues. They just don't see it. They don't like what's going on. And, and if, you, if you listen to the thing that's wrong that they say, both sides say the same thing. Now, their solutions might be totally different, but at least they're, the starting point is they both recognize the same problem. Or if I, am I really wrong on this? In what kind of universe could you have somebody like Mitch McConnell, who gets reelected to his leadership position, when he has higher approval ratings among Democratic voters than among Republican voters? Who's who's working for whom? How how could the guy have any kind of a high, high approval rating? Right, I mean, and and yet among Democrats, he's seen as in some quarters as a conciliating influence, somebody you can even work with. Like work work with if you're crooked, yeah, you know. That, what was his wife on the board of, uh, tell us she had. She was the Secretary of Labor. Yeah, but before that, she was on the board of, uh, was some, some firm, that won, was it, uh, was it the power company in, in California? Something like that. Well, and her family owns what's, what's her name? You know, the Alina. biggest Chinese shipping firm. Yeah, what's, so what's, what's her name? Alina. Elaine Chow. We, we, I think she was on a board, well, Wendy Graham was on the board of Enron, for God's sake. Right? Well, there's no... I mean, c- could you imagine Mitch McConnell... I mean, his, his, um, Elaine Chow's sister is married to some other muckety-muck somewhere, and McConnell voted to confirm that guy for some federal job. I mean, this is his brother-in-law. You would think maybe this would be a case where you might recuse yourself because you're a little too close to the action. It doesn't oh, no, no. people at all. Well, that's, that's why they're there. Yeah. I mean, it's a... Uh, it's, it's that's like, well, when you say, I can work with that person, it's like, well, what does that... Define for me what working with them means. I, I, th- I think Wendy Graham was in charge of uh, governance or something. <laughs> and Ron, I mean, I mean, for, for God's sake, I mean, uh, what you, I would say ethics probably. Though. Yeah, well, yeah, basically <laughs> ethics. And, and she comes back, and she ended up being a uh, a uh, cabinet post, didn't she? What? I mean, these people offer like shadowy advisory roles, either up front or behind the scenes. But you know that they're they're there for one purpose only, and that's to save their family's skin. Well, I mean, uh, who is the? Uh, oh God, who is the, the? I'm trying to think. Who the hell was it? Uh, well, anyway, they're 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 also so tied in. You're never going to be able to get any of these people because they're the Enron thing. She was the one who kept the thing because uh, he passed a law. He was on the committee that regulated the commodity futures and stuff, and they. And they essentially said that the the uh, stuff that they were doing buying energy back and forth, spot energy back and forth, was 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 out was outside the scheme of regulation. 
So while, while he was in, while she was in that job, he did not recuse himself from that. In fact, he led the the fight for that, and that's how Enron was making all their dough. And, and but it turns out it wasn't really dough, right? Right. It was. I mean, it, we, 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 when you lose your ethics, you kind of lose everything. I mean, look at what's going on with this, you know, the, the Bitcoin and these other things. I mean, these guys, there's, there's the, well, the, the kid went to MIT, his parents are law professors at Stanford, and the, the guy has, has the, the, the morals of a, of a billy goat, for God's sake. Have you heard some of his brother, Gabe, Bankman Freed, has this uh, lobbying firm called Guarding Against Pandemics? And you know, I'm sure he got his money from the same source as the brother Sam did, but this, the website for it has been completely scrubbed, so you can't see anything about the connection to Bankman Free. But you look at their agenda, and it's all about you know keeping people under the, the thumb of government. The whole lobbying energy behind guarding against pandemics is let's have more effective masks. Let's let's have more effective testing for COVID. You know, let's let's look into more vaccine development. The whole thing is about continuing these idiotic lockdowns, and this is you know another arm of this family. You know, they're they're involved in things that you and I would never get a shot at. Oh, without a doubt, we're not we're not even you know remotely part of this stuff. But hey, am I going to see you tonight? I'll see you tonight. All right, we and Kevin too. Yeah, we. I guess we'll maybe you and I should try and get there a little earlier so I have a table reserved. Um, so who knows when those other guys are going to get there? So I'm I'm, I'm looking for like six ish. Yep. I'll, I'll check in with you. I'll, I'll tell you when I'm leaving. All right, but here, so. S&P futures down fifty four now. Ouch. S&P futures down one eighty three. So we're we're leaking here. I don't know if this is going to keep going all day here, but we'll tell you all about it tomorrow morning. Stocks and jocks. This looks extraordinarily bad. Stocks and jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.